Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. He isn't the man I married. He had such potential. We had potential. But we've gotten stuck in a rut and I'm miserable. My husband and I fight a lot and we never seem to resolve anything. I wish things were different. My marriage is kind of okay. We made a lifetime commitment and I think we still love each other. Maybe this is as good as it gets. Well, it may be that you resonate with some of those comments. Uh, Maybe your marriage is less satisfying than you expected. Uh, Maybe you'd really like to improve it, but you don't know how. Well, today we have some practical help and hope for you on Focus on the Family. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. And John, those comments reflect the heart of so many husbands and wives that we hear from, uh, couples who've lost all hope for their marriages. Sometimes it's a crisis like infidelity or neglect or baggage from the past that's interfering with you and your spouse's future. Or it may be uh, faulty expectations about marriage where you don't know how to resolve conflict or you thought your relationship was all about making you happy. Uh, These are common issues that couples face, but with God's help, uh, they don't need to be deal breakers for your marriage, nor do you need to suffer in silence and be miserable. Uh, Here at Focus on the Family, we want to help you experience marriage the way God designed it to be. And we've got lots of resources that can equip you, like our team of Christian counselors. Our Hope Restored, where we offer intensive counseling over several days for couples who are on the brink of divorce. Yeah, we see so many lives changed through this ministry, uh, Jim. And we heard from a woman named Carrie who felt like she was trapped in a loveless marriage. Uh, She and her husband were struggling. He had some addictions. He was working all the time. He was emotionally unavailable. And Carrie was exhausted and depressed and alone. Uh, But someone introduced her to this broadcast. Uh. And she started listening to our podcast and uh, got some books that we had recommended and other resources. And today, Carrie says, I'm still married and our relationship continues to improve. My walk with Jesus has grown deeper through your ministry. Praise God. Uh, That's wonderful news. That's what it's all about. And for all the husbands and wives listening right now, I believe the Lord wants you to experience that same kind of transformation in your marriage. Contact us today if you want to speak with a counselor or learn more about Hope Restored or find out about the many other resources that our marriage team here at Focus is working on to help you build a strong and healthy marriage for a lifetime. Yeah, and in a moment, we'll hear from uh, the couple that leads our marriage team here at Focus on the Family, Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin Smalley. Uh, They're authors, speakers, and counselors, and they've written a book called The Wholehearted Wife, Ten Keys to a More Loving Relationship. We'll also mention that Greg's dad, the late Gary Smalley, also contributed to the book. Learn more about all of the resources we've mentioned so far, including the Smalley's book, when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. Or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And Jim, here's how you began the conversation with our guests, Greg and Aaron Smalley, on today's episode of Focus on the Family. Yeah, Aaron, let's start with you. I'd like to hear your response uh, to those comments that we heard at the top. Does that really reflect the heart of a lot of women? 
You know, unfortunately, I think it does. We plan these perfect weddings and, you know, we have these almost idealistic um, views of what our marriage relationship is going to be like. And then quickly we realize we married another human being that's <laughs> imperfect. Yeah. And I'd like to think I'm more than that. But... <laughs> Less than a human being. Oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. Hey, welcome, Greg, to the yes. show. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, then you know, with these expectations, we end up disappointed and just dissatisfied. And that's not the case always, but often because the expectations are so high, we end up feeling disappointed. And then the relationship goes down one of those three paths of the clips we heard. Uh, Let me ask you about expectations, because especially, again, um, when you're spiritually connected in a healthy way in a relationship with Christ and you're courting each other, talking about the M word, do you want to get married? And then it happens, and then the weeks and the months go by. Why do expectations play such a critical role in the early development of our relationship in that way? Well, you know, we all have them. I mean, all of us have certain hopes, desires, dreams, wants, needs that we expect that our spouse is going to meet. Now we've found this person who's going to provide all these things that we hope. Part of the problem is that a lot of these are unknown. We're not even aware of them. You know, we we have these things that at some level we expect and assume are going to happen when they don't. It's like, okay, wait, what just, why isn't this happening? I thought this would. Doesn't she love me? Wait, did I marry the right person? I mean, you you almost see this buyer's remorse going, what is going on? What's changed in that time span, whatever it might be, weeks or months or a couple of years? What's going on? What is changing from the courtship to the marriage. I think what happens is that when we have these unknown, kind of we're not even aware of some of these expectations and they don't happen over time, it's hurtful, we get frustrated. That can easily, though, turn into almost this resentment. Our beliefs, our view of our spouse can become so negative that once our view becomes negative of our spouse, they really can't do much to change that. Whatever I believe about Aaron, I will see the evidence in everything that she does. So if all these expectations have gone unmet, see, now I see her in such a negative light. And then that becomes such a self-fulfilling prophecy. And the sad part is she can't change any of that. Whatever I believe is what I'm going to see. I will overlook all the positive. And that's a part of of how we just get set on this course, this trajectory, it's just not good in our marriage. Okay, now it sounds like you two are talking from experience. So talk about <laughs> <laughs> Kaboom. Is, is that it the that big obvious? Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. boy. No, it's not so much your PhD work that's coming in here, but uh, what happened day one for you? You wake up the next day and what did you find? Bliss or conflict? Well, we went into conflict pretty quickly um, into our marriage. I mean, literally several days into the honeymoon, we were fighting. And <laughs> We didn't expect that, that's for sure. Over little things or big things? Little things. I mean, what we realized is, well, A, we didn't do great premarital counseling, and that's something that we now stand firm on. With For couples getting married, you have to get great premarital training, counseling, education, whatever, with a mentor. You have to do that. We didn't. Did you have that attitude, kind of like you knew it all? Yeah, you know, the old saying that faith is not inherited. So just because my parents are Christians doesn't mean that I'm now a Christian in the same way. That if whatever the state of our parents' marriage, so good or bad, so I came from this great legacy, Mm. but that in of itself doesn't 
translate that, oh, then, of course, I'll inherit that. I'll have this great marriage. You do have to work at it. There were some problems that we didn't really understand that became a big deal once we got married. Mm. We had good times. We had times that we laughed a lot. But when it came to dealing with our differences, and there were quite a few of them, we didn't know how to work through them. Mm. And I think that... I. A lot of people, husbands and wife, they'll reach this point of despair or or they just settle. Like we heard the clips in the beginning that, you know, this mediocre marriage, that is not what God had in mind. You said it. The author of marriage did not design a marriage that's supposed to be, you know, I guess I can just live with them for the rest of my life. This is a God who said that these two people, this man and woman who are so different as they come together and become one. This is a good thing. This is an amazing thing. There is such synergy when Aaron and I are operating within that power that God provides, you know, and our hearts are open to each other. There is such enormous strength in that to the point that Satan knows that. And Satan is afraid of what our marriage can be like. Mm. And that's why it's never, let's not settle. Let, let's have the promised land kind of marriage that really God created and designed. That was his intent. Now, let me ask you this question in terms of that pace. Life is life. We're in a broken world. Things will happen. I don't want some, particularly some wives, to hear this right now and go, aha, we got to live at this level. Things will happen, and you need to roll with that and seek the Lord for solutions, and trouble will be there. The Lord was very specific about that. Talk about what seems to be healthy balance. You know, balance for me is being aware of the fact, as you're saying, that there are going to be trials and problems and we're two humans, we're imperfect, we have sin nature. And so I think the balance is recognizing that that therefore we've got to keep working. And it's never about settling, realizing that along the way we're changing, our marriage is changing. If we just put the marriage on cruise control, send it down the road, and don't really do anything with our relationship, that is a recipe, a formula for disaster. Instead, it's recognizing, you know, we are human. But let's keep growing. Let's keep learning. I think ideally, uh, uh, God designed us to become more like him, right? As it talks about in Romans, that, that we want to become more like Christ. That's the true opportunity within a marriage, is mm. that all of this stuff is to humans that go on and the problems and all that, that God is going to use those things to grow us more like him. I think that's the journey that we're on together. And, you know, for me personally, as a wife, I I came into marriage and I came from a family. We didn't do a lot of relationship training or education like Greg's family. And so for me, I was on this journey of really wanting to understand what I could do personally. How could I show up in this relationship? Because as we started to have problems, no one wants that. I didn't want that as a wife. I wanted to be a good wife. I wanted to be a great wife. And so I set off on a journey of learning and growing and, and seeking the Lord, growing in my faith, but then also getting some skills. And ironically, I learned a lot of it from Greg's dad. Uh, and But the obvious point there is you, again, assume that uh, Greg had this all down, right? <laughs> I thought Didn't so. Didn't you listen to your father? <laughs> I Did know. you ever have that word uttered through well, your... <laughs> you know, I mean, it's here's the reality. So you can know the knowledge, you can have seen a good model, but until you really know how to translate all that into specific action within your relationship based upon the uniquenesses that you both offer, that's, I think, part of what my problem was. I knew it, sort of. 
I just didn't know how to apply that. And that's really what we were trying to do with this book. In fact, you talk about 10 keys of a more loving relationship. Let's post these, John, on the website, but uh, quickly go over them and then let's concentrate on a couple of them. You know, really, if you think back to the 90s, Greg's dad had a video series. It was on VHS back then. Now it's on DVD. Oh, now you're hurting me. He sold this video series on TV mm. called Hidden Keys to <laughs> yeah. Loving Relationships. It was an infomercial. And I'm telling you, those tapes were so impacting in my life. This book is based off the topics from that series. And really, so what they are, there's honoring your spouse, nourishing your spouse, really, and that's putting honor in action. Um, accepting personality and other differences, which we needed some help with that, and connecting spiritually, fostering communication, connecting sexually, learning to resolve conflict, diffusing anger. Anger is an issue that often we don't talk about. Forgiving each other and transforming life's trials into blessings or treasure hunting. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. When Joy became a Christian, her husband contemplated divorce. I think that God just really used Focus on the Family um, and your guys' ministry to grow me and um, prepare me and um, guide my heart to live out um, in front of my husband what it means to follow Christ. Hi, I'm Jim Daly. Help us strengthen hurting marriages and give families hope. Donate at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash family and your gift will be doubled. Just like a warm fireplace when it's cold outside, the joy the Christmas season gives comfort and draws us closer to loved ones. I'm John Fuller, and Focus on the Family is excited to let you know about our Christmas Stories podcast. Each episode brings heartwarming conversations to bring your family closer together and remind you of the hope we have in Jesus. You can enjoy that podcast at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Well, let's talk about a couple of these that jump out, like the first one you mentioned, honoring, uh, which is, I, I think you'd describe it as learning to value your spouse. That, to me, seems to be probably the greatest threat to marriage today, is we just don't do it. Um, it's more critical in terms of spirit. Um, you don't measure up to the expectations we just talked about. And you start to lose your love for your spouse. Is that describing it well? I think what's what's fair about that is couples are dating, they're engaged. They have such a clear sense of this person and how valuable they are. They really, truly recognize that. And so then what can happen then is inside of a marriage, when your expectations go unfulfilled, as conflict sets in, as other problems begin to happen, we get busy I think it's easy to lose sight of someone's value. When I'm mad, when I'm frustrated, when I'm hurt, I forget how valuable Aaron is. One of my very favorite verses talking about marriage in the Bible is Ephesians 5.29. Several times throughout that passage in Ephesians 5, um, Paul is saying that husbands, you need to love your, your wife as you love your own body. So he says that numerous times. And so finally I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And then in 529, he gives the answer and he says that for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. And it's that word cherish. It's honor. Cherish means that when I see Aaron, that I recognize her incredible value. Even when I'm mad at her and I might not be willing to acknowledge that she's a valuable person, it doesn't change the fact that she's incredibly valuable. God said, 
She's made in his image. She's fearfully and wonderfully created. He says that she's his treasured possession. Jesus says that she's his glorious inheritance. I mean, there's so many truths in the Bible about how valuable she is. Mm. So that's what's true about her. My goal then is a mindset, it's an attitude, it's a conviction that really says that she is valuable. And when that's a foundation within a marriage, that's what you value in Luke twelve thirty four. It says, what you value, there will your heart be also. It's one of the most powerful things we can do in a marriage is to grab hold of the truth of how valuable we are because what I value and treasure, see, that's what I'm drawn to. Mm. That's why I think Paul is saying, boy, you want to do this right. You begin by cherishing your spouse. And as a wife... It's, you know, so often we think that we're basically, you know, this is in the marriage. It is what it is. You know, it's not going to get any better. But what the basis of this book is, is really that we as a wife have the power of influence. We can influence the overall environment of our marriage. And with honor, that is a huge impact that we can have on our relationship by how we view our spouse. Because so often when we close down, like Greg was saying, we start seeing negative things. We have a choice to step back and really look and remember who he is, what God says is true about him. And that can influence and make a great change in this marriage relationship Mm. because the system shifts. When my behavior shifts, it impacts the overall system. It doesn't mean that I control him. It doesn't mean that I can, I mean, believe me, I've tried to control and change him. I'm a handful. Let's and, just and be that, honest. That just it's doesn't normal. Work. It doesn't work, does it? No. Yeah. It's normal for a couple. That That's a dynamic that a lot of spouses will try. Yeah. Often we want to focus on what they're doing, what their behavior is, because believe me, it's more fun to focus on what he's doing versus what I'm doing. Mm. And so in this, the paradigm shift is that how do I show up in this relationship? And how can I impact my marriage? Well, I thought in looking at the book, The Wholehearted Wife, uh, something that caught my attention was something you called the no-win marriage. And it said something like this. If a woman's identity isn't rooted in Christ, she may try to draw her worth from her imperfect husband who cannot meet all her needs. Wow. That is a powerful statement. Mm -hmm. Um, A, the truth of that, I think, is powerful. And B, um, where does she need to be rooted in order to have a healthier relationship with her imperfect husband? Mm-hmm. Because so often as women, we get our value based on the quality of our relationships. Often that is how we define ourselves. And so we marry this imperfect man and, you know, we're all... Hello. She, she said that with some emphasis. <laughs> she, she says this numerous times. That's it. Hey, we're all in the hot seat, buddy. I think if Dina and Jean were here, they'd I know. say the same yeah, thing. We're feeling for you, Greg, but you're doing well. <laughs> okay, we marry this imperfect man, and we expect that he is going to meet all these needs in us, but really, he was never created to meet those needs within us. Mm. Those needs are only meant to be met by the Lord. Aaron, what you just said is so critical, and I think is one of the aha moments here, that women would have that expectation that all their needs can be met by their imperfect men. Mm-hmm. Um that's not healthy, is it? You know what? It's not only not healthy. It's not how it was created to be. We were created to be rooted in the Lord. We, there's a need in us for that, for him to define our value, to give us our worth. He is the one who says all through scripture how amazing he created us in his image, that we are his treasured possession. We're daughters of the Most High King. Our husbands can come alongside of us, but we can't look 
to them to fulfill those needs. Mm. They were not created. That's not what God had in mind. We come together as teammates, as I'm his helpmate. It's not that I come to him to fill all of those needs. Uh, You know, for me, I think one of the, the best questions that we can ever ask in a marriage is not, how do we have a better marriage? I think that actually, that is the worst question. Why? Well, because I can't control Aaron, and it takes two of us to have a great marriage. I think the best question that we can ask in our marriage is, how can I be a better spouse? Mm. And that was really what we were trying to do. look to yourself first for improvement. It's based off the greatest commandment. So if people are going, I'm not sure this is even in the Bible. You know, the greatest commandment says that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then we are to love others. How? As we love ourselves. And that's why for this book, really what we were trying to do was to say, how do we take a concept like honor? So cherishing one another, how do I apply it to myself first? Mm-hmm. Because if I don't value me, then there, I'm going to have such a hard time valuing my wife. Mm. And then how do I value my marriage? So that's what, what was unique about this book is that every one of these concepts first is applied to how does a woman put that into her life? How does she make that happen? Because, again, the idea is that that as an individual, I can not just influence my marriage, I can change my marriage. And I think that's the misnomer. The myth is, well, I mean, I really can't do that. Maybe I can influence. No, I'm telling you, we can change. Think if, Jim, if you and I are playing ping pong, all right? I'd beat you. You would beat me. So I wouldn't even try to play ping pong. But let's just pretend that you were allowing me to participate, you know, and feel I'm good teasing. about myself. If you and I, for all the years, we just play ping pong year after year the same way, hit the ball the same exact way, hold the paddle in the same way, all I have to do to change things is to put a little bit of spin on that ball. And even if you try to hit the ball the same way as you've always done, it's going to come off your racket a little bit different because I have done something different. That is true for marriage. Our marriage is a system. And anytime one of us does something different, it will change. I'm not saying that it's going to change for the positive. I'm not going to... It goes both ways. It can go both ways. And it might not get you everything you're wanting. But the fact is that, that that's the power that we have as individuals, that when we do something different... So how can I be a better husband? How can I be a better wife? When we focus on that, that's really where true change can begin to happen. So for all the, the women who are so discouraged right now, saying, you know, yeah, this is such a mediocre marriage, and I'm so frustrated, and he's just not doing this or not doing that. I mean, that, that I hate that for you, but tell you what, that God's given you the strength and the ability to make some changes, and that will impact your marriage. And that's really was the design of this book. What can you do as an individual, and then how can you come alongside your husband, and then what can you ultimately do for your marriage? Aaron, uh, we're coming in for a landing. I need a practical application. I think there's so much we need to come back next time, and we'll do that. But you talk about something in the book called the bewitching hour. Now, as Christian, <laughs> what? What are you talking about? But you're just talking about a, a predictable chaotic time in your home mm-hmm. and how that impacts the environment and how it sets it up for disaster. Mm-hmm. What did you mean by that in your book? You know, any mom out there knows that the five o'clock hour is the hour of chaos, the bewitching hour. If you have a colicky baby, they're screaming. You're trying to make dinner. You're helping with homework. Kids are trying to rush out the door to practice. Colicky teenager. Awanas. <laughs> yes. Everything's, it's the meltdown hour. And yet, typically, Greg is walking through the door right during that time. And You're so, welcome. <laughs> I love you. And so, you know, there's a choice that we have in that chaos. 
and it's so critical and it's something so simple is how then do we reunite with our spouse? It's a choice that we have to simply set things down and miss all the chaos and miss the crying, the temper tantrums, you know, either from a toddler or a teenager and, you know, to simply greet our spouse and honor them, value them as they're coming back into your presence. Mm. Hey, you know what? I think that is a great place to pick up next time is how do you choose differently? Because I think we fall into patterns that are comfortable and we don't even feel that we're making a poor choice. It's just coming naturally. Mm -hmm. So let's pick the conversation up next time to talk about how we can choose to reflect God's heart. Yes, even in our marriages. Can you stick with us? Yes, that sounds great. And that's part one of a terrific conversation we had with Greg and Aaron Smalley talking about their book, The Wholehearted Wife, 10 Keys to a More Loving Relationship. And make plans now to join us for part two. Well, John, I really appreciate the insights that Greg and Aaron provide through programs like this one, their books and the conferences where they speak for Focus on the Family. Not only are they experts on how to have a good and godly marriage, they're also vulnerable about their own mistakes. Uh, That's what makes them so effective and helpful because we can all learn from one another. Marriage can be a wonderful thing, uh, but it takes a lot of work and sacrifice and intentionality. It just doesn't come naturally to us as human beings to be selfless. Uh, We can't coast along hoping everything just works out, nor does it help to complain and point out all the mistakes of your spouse. Uh, Believe me, I've done that. It doesn't work. Uh, We're all guilty. Mm. But a key message from Greg and Aaron is this. How do we get to a better place as a marital team? Where do we go for help? And how do I work on my issues instead of uh, working on your issues? (laughs) And here at Focus on the Family, we want to help you with all of those concerns. As we mentioned at the beginning, we have the resources you need to build a solid foundation for your family based upon the principles found in God's Word. Exactly. Like the Smalley's book, The Wholehearted Wife, which we'd be happy to send to you if you're able to make a generous contribution of any amount to the ministry today. Uh, We're listener-supported, and we'd invite your contribution, uh, a gift of any amount, either a monthly pledge or a one-time gift. Uh, We'll say thank you for partnering with us to strengthen and support marriages by sending a copy of the book, The Wholehearted Wife. Donate and get the book and other resources when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family, 800-232-6459. Or stop by our website and get an audio download of the entire conversation with Greg and Aaron. It's all available at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And if your marriage needs more serious help, I want to urge you to contact us right away about scheduling a time with one of our Caring Christian Counselors. They are available to encourage you, pray with you, and point you to resources in your local area. Uh, We also have Hope Restored, where we provide intensive counseling over several days for couples who are ready to quit, frankly, Uh, some even with divorce papers. But we've seen God do miracles in these marriages, and I believe uh, he can do the same for you. So don't delay in getting the help you need. Contact us here at Focus today. And again, our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.
listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Praying with the kids at bedtime in the comfort of your home. This warm setting is featured in the new special edition print from Focus on the Family titled What Matters Most. It's a story in paint by artist Morgan Weisling, a gicle depicting a faithful pioneer family, and it can have a special place in your home to remind you of what's truly important. Get this special edition print at focusonthefamily.com slash special print. That's focusonthefamily.com slash special print. You know, for me, I think one of the, the best questions that we can ever ask in a marriage is not, how do we have a better marriage? I think that actually, that is the worst question. Why? Well, because I can't control Aaron and it takes two of us to have a great marriage. I think the best question that we can ask in our marriage is, how can I be a better spouse? Dr. Greg Smalley is back with us again today on Focus on the Family, along with his wife, Erin, and they're describing better ways husbands and wives can work through expectations and disappointments and experience the kind of marriage that God designed for us. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. Thanks for joining us today. I'm John Fuller. Hey John, we had a wonderful conversation last time with the Smallies, and if you missed that, get a CD or download, or get the app for your smartphone. It's really easy to do. This is good stuff that every marriage really needs, uh, not only to survive, but to thrive as a couple. And I want to challenge those of us who claim the name of Christ in a culture where marriage is constantly being redefined and often degraded. We need to show the world something better. Uh, We don't have to be perfect, but better is a good goal. We have to live out God's word and how we love and serve our spouse. And when you do that, you'll experience a more fulfilling relationship. Uh, Greg and Aaron are experts in this field. They've devoted their lives to bettering not only their own marriage, but everyone else around them as well. Mm. Uh, They head up our marriage ministry team here at Focus, and I really appreciate their insights. Uh, Their humor is just like Greg's dad, Gary, so rich, and their vulnerability about the challenges that they faced in their own marriage. Uh, That, I think, is what attracts people to them. They're very open about their shortcomings. And I'm looking forward to part two of our discussion. And the Smalleys have written a wonderful book. It's called The Wholehearted Wife, Ten Keys to a More Loving Relationship. And by the way, the co-writer on this book was Greg's dad, the late Gary Smalley. He was a great friend to this ministry and one of our most popular broadcast guests. You can get the Smalley's book at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast or when you call 800, the letter A in the word family. And today on the episode, we're going to pick up our conversation with the Smalley's at the point where Aaron responded to some of the common frustrations that wives have in marriage. Really, we desire more than that. We want a great marriage. We want a great relationship. No, we can't control our spouse, our our husband. We can't change him, but we sure have the power to influence. And so I love Ephesians 6, 7. It says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not man. And so really, when I show up as a wife, I want to serve I want to serve the Lord. I want to serve wholeheartedly. I'm all in. I want to do everything I can that I can control. And that's me. 
in this marriage relationship to influence and to impact this relationship. And we left last time talking about the choices that we make, our attitude. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel that with Gene and me. I'm sure, John, you and Dina have this. Uh, But sometimes just out of your own experience, your background, your nature comes out and you default to that setting. And something frustrates you or makes you angry, and that's where the evening goes. And now it's you got to talk it through. What do you mean in the book about choosing a better path? How, how do we really choose to react to our spouse in a better way? Mm-hmm. And really, because often we're not even aware of what we're doing, of how we're viewing our spouse, how we're treating our spouse. And so really, it's taking a step back. And instead of focusing on him, which again, last time I said, it's really a lot more fun to focus on him, um, you know, to really take a look at yourself and just becoming aware of how am I seeing him and how am I viewing him? So when we've been hurt, when we've been disappointed, we forget how valuable they are. And the bottom line, God, scripture says how valuable he is, that he's made in his image. His value does not change because God says so. And so when we're grounded, when we're spending time with the Lord, when we're filled up, when our eyes are on him, on the Lord, then it's easier to remember just what a precious individual we've married. Let's talk a minute about what we bring into marriage. I touched on that. It it tends to form our opinions and and the way we react under crisis or Mm -hmm. maybe just generally. And I see that. I can be really sharp with my tongue and my thoughts. I'm fairly quick, maybe not that quick, <laughs> in terms of responding to something. And and I think for Gene and I, that's where I, I've got to be careful and mindful that I don't use either the kind of the sharp wit to cut down. And I, I do that far too often. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's very much a golden retriever yeah. and very loving person, yeah. very kind Sensitive person. And so yeah. my cute little darts that I give myself such credit for actually are just crushing her. Yeah. And I've, I think I've got my hands on that far better than when I was younger and more immature in our marriage. I guess Jane will have to let me know, <laughs> which she will tonight when I get home. But, but that's what I'm talking about. What, Aaron, what did you bring in to your relationship with Greg? What family of origin things? What did you have mm-hmm. to work through? I, had, I, I mentioned this yesterday that I had a lot of um, I was lacking a lot of knowledge and skills with relationships. And so I learned a lot from Greg's dad and from Bible studies from other women and, and really set off on a journey of learning and growing. And really, I, communication wasn't a strong point for me. Conflict, how to deal with conflict in a healthy way wasn't a big strength for me. And then also anger was something that I was raised in a home where my dad, he was the, the most gentle spirit. But boy, when he got upset, it was it, you it, know, exploded. it was an explosion. And so often in our family, when we would work through something, it was very explosive and very volatile versus Greg came from a family where that was not the case at all. Oh, we, we avoided conflict. We would never raise our voices. And so is Aaron and I would get into a disagreement and the energy would go up and her voice would go up. I mean, it just, I didn't know what to do. So you're coming from really two opposite oh, extremes. Very much so. mm-hmm. Yeah. It, you, and how did you reconcile that? How did you learn 
that uh, we're both kind of in a not so good spot. Where's good middle ground? Yeah, I mean, that was part of our problem is that how we handle conflict ultimately is what we call we're both fighters. Like we're going to pursue, we're going to engage. We want to battle this thing through. We want to talk it through. We want to argue it through. And oftentimes in a marriage, you see one that's more of a fighter. The other is a flighter, more of a withdrawer. But for us, oh, we were going to go toe-to-toe in the sense of we're going to engage and pursue one another and, you know, and that's what was so challenging, you know, for us. It's hard, and it's something that we still have to to work on. I know just the other day I was driving in the parking lot of our school dropping the kids off, and it was – there was a lot – this is a while ago. There's snow, and and we were late, and I was frustrated with Aaron going, you know, I was needing to leave on time, and whatever was going on, you know, we couldn't leave on time, so I was late – and uh, there's snow on the ground, and literally I wasn't paying attention, and I smashed into the back of this woman's van. Oh, my. So now, talk about being really late. So she gets out, and so we're talking, and it was cold. So I brought her into my car, giving her my information. And so she's writing down my information of my license, and the radio was on. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, a commercial came on that was talking about this this father-daughter dance that was coming up in the Colorado Springs area. And as soon as I heard it, I went, oh, no. And so she's listening to this, and she goes, hey, my husband and daughter, they're going to that. And I was like, "Uh uh-huh. And then all of a sudden it said, and featuring special guest speaker, Dr. Greg Smalley. And she's looking at the license. She went, that's you. And I went, yes, please don't tell anybody what I've I've done. I was so – I just so through all of that. I was just frustrated. I mean, you know, I – smashed her car, smashed my car. Now there's all this damage I got to pay. And I remember calling her and just didn't handle it right. And, you know, I was frustrated and (laughs) versus, you know, more than anything, I think what I've learned, and, and this is the whole point of the book, is that it's not about how can I have a better marriage? It's how can I be a better spouse? What do I need to learn? What I've learned is that I need a little bit of time before I call her, before I respond to her, or it's not going to go well. Mm. I need some time to pull back and especially to go to the Lord and try to get some perspective. And more than anything that I've learned about conflict, that's what's helped me is that um, if I can just get a little bit of distance and then go to the Lord, and usually it's like, okay, your daughter, you created her. What in the world? What is she doing? You tell, you know. But finally, in the midst of my prayer, I finally sink into God. What do I need to do? What are you? How are you going to use this to reveal something about me that I need to mm. to work on? And what I found is that when I focus on me in those moments to get my heart back open, then I'm able to come back and reengage, and then we have a better conversation. The thing that messes me up is when I'm hurt and frustrated and mad, if I go to her off the bat, this is never going to work because I'm shut down. And Greg, that really is the thing about setting patterns. That's where you get into a habit and a pattern, and then you don't communicate, and he just watches news, weather, and sports, and she's doing other things, and you're not um, having relationship. And then it snowballs, doesn't it? What do we need to do as husbands? We said we we're going to pick on husbands a bit. Let's pick on <laughs> ourselves. What do we need to do to better understand how to help our wives become wholehearted? Because we have a role in it. Yeah, we are. I, I always like to think that part of my job is not to make Aaron become more like Christ. Tried to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's not a good thing. Yeah, it really doesn't. Don't say that out loud, by the way. <laughs> but really, I am also 
her helpmate. In other words, I'm helping her on this journey that she's on with the Lord to become more like him. So how can I help her? And and I just I always go back to Ephesians 5. I mean, when you think of that whole passage of Scripture, Ephesians 5, 25 through 33, here's what stands out to me for the man. Okay, Paul uses approximately 216 words in that section of Scripture. Approximately. Okay, <laughs> okay. 62 of them are addressed to the wife. 154 of those words and are addressed to And most women right now husband. are saying, see, proves my point. Okay, that's 71% of what Paul is saying is directed to the man. That's a big deal. There's something there that I really need to understand. And so give then, us the nutshell of yeah, what he's saying to I us. I think what it comes down to, one, and again, we all know this, but you know, my job is to love her sacrificially. So Christ gave up his life for the church. I am to love her that way. Paul says it over and over. I'm to love my wife as I love my own body. And then he says, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Guys, that's it. I mean, if you did nothing else but focused on those two words, to cherish her, to recognize her value, to really truly get, this is an amazing person, this woman that I married is just so valuable. King Solomon says in Proverbs that that a wife is a man's greatest treasure. I mean, mm-hmm. think about that. She is so valuable. Even if I don't see it, even if I'm so mad at her that I don't get it, it doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So from that spot of, of cherishing her, then I'm motivated then to serve her, to nourish her. So then it becomes, guys, just a matter of going, so what does Aaron like? What does she need for me? What helps her feel loved? When I do whatever, if I went on a quest to go, Aaron, just answer the statement, I feel loved when you, you know, guys, write that down. You have been given a formula. There it is. And I think if we do those things to cherish her, to nourish her, that's it. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Friends of Focus on the Family, give families hope this Christmas with a gift of appreciated stock. By donating appreciated stock, you create tax savings while turning resources into help for hurting families. And you'll also receive a tax deduction on the fair market value of your gift. Let our team help you make the most of your giving. To learn more, visit GiveFamiliesHope.com. That's GiveFamiliesHope.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Aaron, let me ask you, though, because I think some of this healing needs to occur where, uh, you know, you deal with the past to kind of ask the Lord to get into the perhaps the dark closet Mm -hmm. of our life. Mm -hmm. And it's not always the big things, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, pornography or something like that. These can be relational things. For example, you and your dad, um, you felt like you had a breakthrough Mm, and a healing mm -hmm, moment when mm -hmm. it came to this dynamic that you learned as a daughter Mm -hmm. and the way that he would rage and how that would impact you. Talk about that. I think it would touch a lot of women. Mm -hmm. You know, so often when you come from a home with a dad that rages or has anger, it's something that is handed down. And it's not something that we want because as a young mom, I swore, I was like, I will never 
take this into my marriage, into I'm not going to pass this on to my kids. But then all of a sudden you're frustrated, you're hurt. You've got kids running everywhere, chaos, and suddenly you find yourself snapping. Right. And you go back to what you were raised with. What you experienced. What we experienced. And really by making that vow, I'm not going to do this. Really what we're doing is tying ourselves to it. Mm. And if you are experiencing anger as a woman, more than likely, and as a man, more than likely someone in your family of origin also dealt with it. And it's something that's been passed on. And I decided, I was like, Lord, I do not want to carry this legacy. This is not what I want to pass on to my kids. And so I, I started praying. Well, I'm, this may not be how it happens for you, but this is how it happened for me. There was one day where I went to yell at one of my kids, poor soul, and I couldn't yell. I started coughing. And to this day, when I'm standing at a soccer game and trying to cheer my kids on, I literally, I'll scream and it'll be this scratchiness in my throat. And it's just a reminder to say, this is what God did. He healed me from that anger. He and I together broke that pattern. How did that happen? You know what, what happened in your life that it really worked? Well, as I begin to understand anger, there's so much underneath anger. Really, when you show up raging or angry and frustrated, there's other emotions that are going on. Really, anger is a smoke signal, is what we call it, that there's something more going on. There's something brewing underneath. Fear, hurt, frustration, disappointment. Something is going on that's leading you to this place of anger. So as I started to understand, and like Greg talked about, what I needed to do in those moments, as I started to feel my heart rate increasing and things intensifying, you really to take a break and step back mm. and, you know, and to name it, to say, you know what, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. Busyness can do this to us. When we go from one thing to the next, our heart closes, our heart shuts down to step back and go, okay, right now my heart is closed. Mm. And when our heart is, is closed, that's the times that we're going to do, we're going to say things that are not reflective of who we want to be. Did you have that moment with your dad where you were able to talk with him? Yes. And really, the great news is that working through it, you know, I, I went to counseling. Greg and I spent numerous hours talking about this, that really I had released it to where I really went through a season of forgiveness, of just a process of forgiving him and really landing at a place of you know, I'm probably never going to hear an I'm sorry. I'm not going to hear of, you know, this is what I did wrong. And I really got to the place that I really didn't need to hear that. Um, I met him at Mimi's, a restaurant, and we were just sitting there talking. And typically conversations with him would end up escalating, mm. especially if it was about something in our relationship. And so we, I sat down and he looked at me and he said, I have a question to ask you. And I literally went, here we go. This is how it always goes. And so it's going to end up tense, and I'm going to have to really try to control this. And he looked at me, and he said, Aaron, he said, zero to 10, how was I as a dad? Hmm. Wow. And I almost fell over. I literally was dumbfounded. I didn't know how to respond to that. And he said, you haven't answered. And I said, Dad, i got to take some time to think about this. And so I did what any grown woman would do. I grabbed my cell phone, and I ran into the bathroom, and I called Greg. Yeah, so, I mean, you're— Partly in panic. Yes. Uh, I, how did you, shock. when you came out of the ladies' room and sat down at the I table? I sat down and I, I, really, I had Greg calmed me and he said, you know, ask him why he's asking you that. So I came back and I said, Dad, why now? What are you looking for? And he said, you know what? When you get to the end of your life, you look back and there are things that you regret. And one of the things I regret is the anger. Mm -hmm. that I brought into our house, how I treated your mom, how I treated you at times. Mm -hmm. 
and tears started flowing down his face. And really, honestly, never in a million years thought I would would get to this place. And as he was talking, I said, you know what, Dad, I want to be a great mom. Anger is something that I've had to deal with as well. I said, you know, I've worked and worked to do things the right way, but there are things I'm going to have to go back and own and apologize for things that I didn't mean, things that I said, things that, you know, I impacted my girls or my, our son that I didn't really mean. Mm. And as I was talking, the Holy Spirit was telling me, tell him you've already forgiven him. And I, I was like, oh, I'm not going to, I can't say that. And so I started in, I said, you know what, dad, the things that you did great. He was a hairstylist. He always did my hair. He introduced <laughs> me to some really high quality hair products early on in life. And yeah, I said, you know what, you, dad? Pat. Yeah. I said, thanks a lot, dad. You didn't tell me these were so expensive. Greg didn't like that. You know, when we got married and well, your hair were, looks great. they were no longer free. And I, you know, and I, I said, but dad, the hardest thing was the anger. And he said, I know, I know. And then I said, you know what, dad? The good news is I said, I've already forgiven you. I said, it's done. And the unreal thing is that in the wholehearted wife and the dedication portion of it, I wrote it to three men, to my dad, to my father-in-law, and to my husband. And again, the Holy Spirit said, show them. And I, so I pulled it up on my phone. I had a, an email with it in it, and so I handed it to him. And as he was reading it, just the utter pain and pleasure, I mean, it was all... Yeah. In one, it was just the restoration of the relationship, something I never, ever dreamt I would have this side of heaven. Uh. And sweet Annie was actually with me through this whole conversation, and she's patting my face, going, Mommy, it's wet. It's wet. And I'm like, yes, it's their happy tears, Annie, happy tears. Mm. And walking out of that restaurant that day, our relationship will never be the same. Well, a couple of things from that observation. One, for everybody, um, do what you can to heal the relationships now. Mm-hmm. Why wait? Um, mm-hmm. Why go to your grave? Mm-hmm. Uh, not healing the most important relationships in your life. Mm-hmm. And if you even want to talk that through, if you don't have Greg on the other end <laughs> of the know, phone, your own personal call us counselor. here. At, yeah, I'd say call us here at Focus. Let us help you walk through that. What's a good thing to ask? What's a good thing to say? You know, Jim, the thing, too, that I'd add in there is that what I've watched my wife do, so in spite of how I've treated her at times, in spite of what her dad has done, what I will say is that some time ago she did make a decision that that she had a choice in this. And either she could remain resentful, um, hurt, disconnected in that relationship, or she could figure out how to forgive and pursue her dad. And that's what I've watched. Mm. She invited him to that father-daughter date night that I was speaking at. And so he flew out. We flew him out, and he got to be there. And I think that's the point, is that even if we're not going to have a dad to pursue us, to say, you know what, I was wrong, and I love you, and bless us, give us that blessing, is that the point of the book is that we can choose to do things that will impact a relationship. And she would never say this, but I know that God has used that persistence in her life and the fact that she got her heart back open to her dad, yeah. and that paved the way. And, and I love that he, I hate to say rewarded, and I don't think that's what happened. But, yeah. you know, I mean, it turned out great, but it may not for you. And it doesn't matter. What matters is that we respond and we make choices and we can influence and impact relationships just by doing some things differently. And that's really what we were trying to to help a woman, but I mean, it's good advice for a guy as well is that, is it doesn't matter what my wife is doing, that I can choose to show up differently 
And mm. those are the things that I want to do. That's the kind of man I want to be. I think that's what we're called to do. Well, and I think the key thing there, Aaron, as I'm hearing you, is this idea that there are things, again, in your past that will hold you back mm -hmm. or spring you forward mm -hmm. um, in your relationship with your husband. And again, mm -hmm. it's amazing how it all ties together mm -hmm. in God's plan when a daughter feels the right things and learns the right things from her dad. Um, she knows how to be treated. She knows uh, what it means to be um, manly in that power, that anger is not godly if it's outside those boundaries of what the Bible talks about. You learn those things mm -hmm. as a little girl, and mm -hmm. you see them in your dad, and you mm -hmm. bring them into the relationship. How did that help you forgive Greg? How did forgiveness, uh, how was that learned now as this relationship with your father is improving? Mm -hmm. How did you bring that into your relationship with Greg? How did I to, get dragged back into this? <laughs> well, to better understand who he yeah. was as a man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really, forgiveness is a choice. And we are faced with multiple opportunities pretty much every single day to forgive someone and to offer that. It's not something that is going to, you know, we can choose forgiveness, but the relationship may not be restored. But like Greg was saying, it goes back to us and who do we want to be in that journey that I went on of deciding that, you know what, this is my father and I'm called to honor him and I'm called to respect him. It's also in my marriage, I'm called to honor and respect my husband. And my heart has to be open. And my heart is my responsibility, regardless of what I was raised with, regardless of what I learned. As women, we can make choices to go on the journey of healing our hearts and doing some work to allow our hearts to be open and vibrant. Mm -hmm. John 10, 10 says he came to give us life and give it to the full. And part of having a full life is having an open, vibrant heart. A vulnerable heart, too. Mm -hmm. Risk. Yes. That's what we're talking about. Yes. I think the Lord loves it when we risk, especially in this area of forgiveness. Go out on a limb. It's amazing how God will show up for you. Uh, Dr. Greg Smalley, his wonderful wife, Erin <laughs> Smalley, you've written this book, The Wholehearted Wife, and thank you so much for being vulnerable and being with us today. Thanks. Thank, thank you. you. Always great to have the Smalleys in the studio, and uh, that's how Jim and I concluded the conversation with them on this episode of Focus on the Family. Uh, we do hope you were encouraged by their insights about marriage and family and that you found their transparency to be something you could relate to. Of course, we do have the content available as an audio download so you can review it again. Make a gift today of any amount to Focus, and we'll send the book that we've talked about along with that download as our way of saying thank you for uh, being part of the support team and equipping and empowering other couples who need this kind of encouragement and help. Donate when you call 800-232-6459, the letter A in the word family, or stop by focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. When you get in touch, we can tell you more about Hope Restored, our marriage intensives, where you can have an extended uh, counseling session over the course of several days with other couples. It is a terrific uh, kind of a mini lab to learn better ways of communication and to find hope for your relationship. God heals and restores willing hearts that attend Hope Restored. In fact, four out of five couples that have attended a Hope Restored marriage intensive are still together two years later and they say their marriages are stronger than ever. If you're in a tough spot, 
call and ask about Hope Restored. Again, our number, 800, the letter A, and the word family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening today to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to hoperestored.com today.